94.3 WYBC, the rhythm of the city. Juan Castillo with you. This is the Electric Drum. Now, this Saturday morning, I have with me in the studio uh, the Vice President of Program at Connecticut Health Foundation. Her name is Tiffany Donaldson. Uh, and, you know, this story is going to inspire you. Uh, you know, you know, this is what this show is all about, uh, to link folks up in the community with people who are doing great things in our community. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So where did you grow up at? Talk, talk about, you know, your early beginnings. Yeah, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I claim that as home. Yes. I do have a little bit of roots here in Connecticut. My father went to Yale Divinity School, actually. Oh. So from the time I was two to around five, I was here in Connecticut and then moved on to Buffalo. All right. So um, religion. Uh, yes. Important part of your life? Huge part of my life. And um, in so many different ways. I think it's great that my father taught us about different religions. So the first thing that we learned was respect. Mm-hmm. Through that, because respecting all religions helps you learn how to respect people. Right. And so that was the first thing that came out of my religious studies. And then, of course, the foundation in, in, in God and in Christ. Yes. Definitely. Yes, yes. So uh, tell me about growing up in Buffalo, New York. It was cold, <laughs> cold. number one. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's what cold, it's- cold. <laughs> <laughs> People would be surprised about Buffalo. Beyond being cold, it is more diverse than I think people think Buffalo is. Um, You know, we grew up around a variety of different people, different cultures. And it wasn't just seeing it from afar. It was being invited into people's homes and learning about, you know, their customs and what they believed. So it was actually really helpful for me growing up in that environment because I got to learn so much more about the world around me. That's one thing I don't like sometimes when I look at my kids is, you know, they don't always have that exposure. So so a lot of diversity uh, lot while, of diversity. while you were growing up? A lot of diversity. Um, huge Indian population. Mm, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. In Buffalo. Wow. In Buffalo. In Buffalo. You have to think we have the University of Buffalo there yes. and some other universities. So people often come for school and they stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so a huge Indian population, large Jewish community in Buffalo. Okay. Which was... You know, again, Buffalo used to be a huge hub because of the Erie Canal. So there were a lot of factories that began in Buffalo that also kept people there and got people right. there working. Right. And then there's also communities similar to New York. You know, there's an, there was an Irish community, an Italian community, a little microcosm of New York in so many ways. Right, right, right. So um, high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about high school. Uh who were your mentors? You know, what, were you thinking about becoming a vice president back then? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Juan, come on, you know our community. When I grew up, you were either going to be a teacher, an engineer, or a doctor. Exactly. Let's keep it real, okay? Absolutely, so, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, tell tell me about your yeah. experiences in high school. What what school, what high school did you? Go I to? went to the Park School of Buffalo. Okay. It was a well. That was where I spent most of my education. In the beginning, I went to a public school there, but the Park School of Buffalo was a very small private school, and we were just blessed. Meaning, my brother and I were just blessed that we got a scholarship to go to this school, and it exposed us to much more than I think we would have had the opportunity to be exposed to in public school. We have very small classes. And so we were reading novels that I read again in Mm. college. And we had really informed discussions because there would normally be only 12 of us 
in a classroom. So some of my mentors were uh, my history teacher and uh, Mr. Dombrowski. He okay. taught me to question everything. Hmm. He was the guy who would teach you about you know, JFK and what happened. And then he would pause and say, do you really think that's true? Mm. And we were reading books about, um, you know, some of the conspiracy theories around history. So he's the one who really taught me to question everything, which I've kept with me forever. Right. This is Juan Castillo. I'm speaking with Tiffany Donaldson. Uh, she's vice president of program at our Connecticut Health Foundation. We're talking about her life. Uh, we've been talking about her uh, growing up in, in Buffalo, uh, and, uh, you know, we found out some things about Buffalo I didn't know about, <laughs> uh, you know, in terms of the diversity that Buffalo is all about. You know, I have one friend, uh, Skip Dillard, uh, you know, who uh, is the program director at WBLS in New York, and he is from Buffalo. Uh, and, he, you know, he, he, he never really talked a lot about Buffalo, so I thought that maybe it was the kind of town that uh, he wanted to forget about, but he is in New York City, so, you know. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so... So tell tell me about tell me about music and 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 culture wise. You know what in high school what what, what were you into uh, as far as far as music <laughs> and as far as art and I mean were, were, were you were you an artsy artsy type of person? I was to an extent. I mean, I did a lot of singing and okay. stage. You know, on stage, I did most a lot of plays in high okay. school and stuff like that. Right. I mean, related. You know, I was in high school, so this was the nineties. Right, you know, right, we were right, into right. Jodeci. Yeah, you know, right. Belle Biv DeVoe. You know, right, this yeah, is Puff that Daddy, time, Pub Daddy. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, so tell me, tell me that experience. You know, how does how's that affected your life? I mean, you know. Uh, going forward that that whole experience in high school talk about that a little bit you know it grounded me in the sense that it, one of the things that i was really blessed with in high school was a lot of support and the ability to make mistakes without being considered a failure mm. and that is rare for people to have that experience um so I was surrounded by a lot of people who reminded me constantly of what I was capable of, even when I may not have believed it. Yes. You know, my teachers, you know, my community. I had a lot of people who had a lot of faith in me. So that has been my foundation forever because even as I push myself as an adult, sometimes you forget what you're capable of and sometimes you are reminded of the small voices in your head that you heard as a kid growing up that you can do it and that you're, you're capable. Yeah. And you know, I mean, with, you know, people are looking for the answers, you know, like how do we reach our kids? And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and I know I talk a lot about just people paying attention. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's so basic, right? Yeah. And seeing the potential in everyone, regardless of what their circumstance may be. And so often kids don't get that. They mm. don't get people to tell them that I know it may look like this, but I see in you more. And I know what you can do. And oftentimes, kids nowadays don't hear that, and they don't mm. have that. Mm. And if they did, I can only imagine how much more they would be able to do. You know, even my husband, he grew up in one of the worst parts in Memphis, Tennessee. And if you were to look at his circumstance, you would say, you can't do anything but be out on the streets, be in jail. Mm. You know, he didn't have his mother or father raising him. Mm. But he had a couple of people that believed in him. He went on to MIT and other and do, doing great things. But yes. he and I are both examples that all you need is somebody to believe in you. It's fantastic. Uh, and so 
academics. Obviously, um, private school. Yes. Uh, did your dad and your mom, was it about, hey, you know, you're going to college, so it wasn't a choice? It was. My mom said, you are 18 and out. <laughs> that was what we heard from the time <laughs> we were. I can't even remember how long I heard that, 18 and out. She reminded my brother and I of that. And and out was either the military or college. I chose college. Right. So so it clicked for you oh, at, at, at some point mm-hmm. during high school that, hey, you know, academics is going to have to be an important part of my life. And and that's what you did. Yeah. Well, part of it, too, is that my parents got divorced. And so oh, I wow. was raised by a single mother. Yes. And we didn't have a lot of money at all. Mm. So for me, education was my way of bettering my life overall. And that's why it also became so important. I knew that education was my way out. Well, that's interesting that you said that because, I mean... Uh so many studies are coming out and they've been coming out about mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, especially among African-Americans that we're being raised by single mothers. Mm-hmm. A lot of men are in jail, uh, can't yeah. get jobs. It's difficult. And that and that is one of the things that uh, really causes uh, young African-American uh, young people to not succeed. But, you know, uh, tell me about what about what was it about your mom and the way that she dealt mm-hmm. with you that mm-hmm. sort of like. Was it was against everything that you you know yeah, talk about? Yeah, no. Well, you know, again, my mother put a huge emphasis on education, and that was tremendously helpful because she was like, "If you don't want to be where I am today and where you are today, you mm-hmm. have to find a way out, and the best way out is education." She always reminded us that people can call you names. They can try to take your possessions away, but the one thing that they can't take away is your intelligence and your education. And so that was really the motivating factor for me personally to say, I've got to get the best education that I possibly can, the best job in the f- to lead to the best job in the future, to lead to the best life for my future family. And that really was a huge driver. And my mother was a teacher, so she was okay. no nonsense. You know, no she was a no, no excuses, no excuses. No excuses. Right. You know, we even tell our kids today, you know, excuses, those who excel in excuses seldom succeed in anything else. Mm. And so that was kind of the upbringing that I had, that, you right. know, excuses, you know, there were no options. You can do it. Right. This is Juan Castillo. I'm speaking with uh, uh, the vice president of program programs uh, at the Connecticut Health Foundation, uh, Tiffany Donaldson. Uh, if you haven't been inspired already, uh, then you know you know you're going to be inspired even more so because now we're getting ready to get into her life in college. And uh, mm-hmm. you went to Georgetown, you know, I prestigious did. university. Uh, you know, time to graduate, and it's like, oh, Georgetown, really? I mean. <laughs> Right. Tell me about that. Tell me about that process. You know, it's so funny because Georgetown was a school that I visited during one of those high school D.C. trips that everyone generally or used to take back in the day. Yes. And um, I stepped on that campus at 16 years old and Mm. I said, if I get in here, I'm going. There was just something about Georgetown that I absolutely love. The feel, the people, the vibe. And so I was fortunate that I got in. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was actually the last school that accepted me, which was the irony. I got into every school I applied, and that was the last one I was waiting for. Um, So I got in, and like I said, if I get in, I'm going. And I went, and it was the best experience, I would say, of my life during that time. You know, Georgetown has such... D.C. has so much energy, and the city itself provides so much education. 
um, you know, on campus, of course, going to a school like Georgetown is Jesuit. So you learn a lot about philosophy. Everything is grounded in either philosophy or religion, even some of the courses you wouldn't typically think of. So it helps you think about things in different ways. Mm. But then you step outside the walls of Georgetown and you see what real disparity is really like. So Mm. during my Georgetown time, I actually taught. I did this program called DC Reads. And we taught inner city children in DC how to read. And we would go into literally the worst neighborhoods in DC, similar to New Haven, where when when the sun went down, it was time for us to get in the van and go home because mm. the streets were just that bad. Right. And you that was always the irony there because I could stand from the front of the school where I had to leave before the sun went down and see the Capitol. Mm. And you think about how ironic that is. You know, these kids, to see the power power so close. And yet you see all of these people suffering. And we're, you know, I'm teaching second graders how to recognize letters. Okay. It was just, it was just a totally different experience that I had ever had in Mm. my life. And it was my first time that I was really exposed to true disparity. You know, you always feel as an African American at times that you are being discriminated against. And that's just the nature of our society. But when you are dealing with something like that, or when you're seeing situations like that, you are seeing like the true disparity that goes on in America. From that experience, I mean, reading, extremely important mm-hmm. uh, uh, to education uh, and to just surviving in our world, right? Yeah. Um, tell, me, tell me about the type of tactics that you used to teach kids how to read, especially at that age when they haven't been exposed to that in, you know, in, in kindergarten and preschool. Tell me about some of those things. Yeah, you know, the first thing, ironically, Juan, was starting with love. And I know that that sounds so crazy, but again, to what I spoke about earlier today, so many of those young kids had never just experienced unconditional caring. And so starting with that to just let them know that I'm going to be consistent, I'm going to be here, Mm. I'm going to care for you first, and then I'm going to teach you went ways ahead than I think of me just coming in and just teaching and then just trying to find things that they related to. So we would use everything. I mean, we would rap, (laughs) we would read books that they cared about. You know, we would bring in magazines of Michael Jordan and say, okay, let's, you know, relate the, Mm. what is this letter? What does Michael Jordan start with M? You know, let's just keep reading through. We had to get creative because part of it too was keeping them engaged and keeping them there because this was an after-school program. They didn't have to be there. So we had to figure out what could we do to keep them engaged. We had lots of games. I mean, we, you know, I worked with one particular woman. It was her and I with the younger kids. And we we would meet once a week to think about what can we do to keep this fun for them. Great. Uh, this is one Castillo. You're listening to Electric Drum. Uh, we've got to, uh, to go to commercials now. Uh, I'm speaking with Tiffany Donaldson. Donaldson. Uh, we've been talking about her life Uh and uh, she's vice president of, of programs at Connecticut Health Foundation. When we return, uh, we're going to continue her story. Uh, actually, uh, you know, uh, from college on, you know, we're going to talk about those years. Uh, and uh, and I'm, I know you've been inspired. I've, I've been inspired already. So uh, please stay tuned uh, for more of the electric drum right here on the Rhythm of the City, 94.3 WYBC.